0: we want to welcome you to Sunday mornings at Frisco Church. We hope you enjoy this message today from our guest speaker. Amen. You can be seated if you want to be. I'm going to stand all service. You're welcome to stand with me. Amen. But aren't you glad that one day you felt the Spirit of the Lord drawing you? One day, the, the, the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. You know, that just means you ever met people and they're kind of up today and they're down tomorrow. And they're, you know, they're kind of this way around those people. We kind of call them chameleons. They just sort of blend in wherever they're at. But how many you know that's not your Father? There is no variableness. You don't have to guess. There's no guesswork. There's no questioning. You know, well, what does he want today? Does he want the same thing that he wanted yesterday? Is he saying the same thing? How many know there is no variableness? Amen. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't always have something fresh, but his nature, his character. He said, I am the Lord, and I change not. Aren't you glad for something you can depend on? I mean, Lord, the government changes every four years. You can't hardly know what to do with that bunch. Some of them are changing even every two years. And then, you know, people change and times change and trends change and what's popular changes. And, uh, and, and sometimes that feels like a good thing. It feels like progress. It feels like, man, this is great and this is fresh. But you ever been in, in a place where you just felt like you were drowning in the chaos? You just felt like that—that that there was just too much going on, to, it was too overwhelming, there's too much change, but how many know, well, hey, here's, we're going to totally upend this thing, amen, and do something totally different than I thought I was going to do. Let's go to Genesis 1, I'll read you something, because if I don't read it now, I'm going to get too far in and not read it all, so we're going to read it now, amen. And this is Genesis 1.1, it's probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture, ever, and uh, I don't know how much of this we'll read. I'll just read enough for you to get the point. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Somebody say void. So it was empty, right? It had no form. It had no shape. And, and so it was. It was totally empty. It was barren. It was lifeless, and it had no dependable shape. You know, it's like now we. Uh, you ever notice people like to build their houses near lakes, but not on lakes, right? Because there's nothing solid. That the the water changes too much, and we'll go on here in a minute and talk about the water. But uh, so it was this constantly changing, constantly moving, empty void, and uh, this is what it said. Uh, it was without form and void, and darkness was on the fa- upon the face of the deep. Somebody shout darkness. So you know what you have without God? You have darkness. You know, you, you, you cut all this, this is like a really old thing. Probably everybody's heard this before. But if we cut all the lights off, we'll have darkness. The darkness is just an absence of something. And so a lot of people have darkness in their life. And you know what the world does? The world tries to focus on the darkness and let's deal with the darkness. But the darkness is just a symptom. It's the absence of something. And so if you feel like you have darkness in your life, how many know it's because there's something missing? There's somebody absent. There's a light, amen. There's a light of the world that lighteth the heart of every man that cometh into the world, is what John said. And aren't you glad you have the light? And that's why you can see. And so don't ever get upset with people that can't see. You can't get mad at a blind man because he can't see. Even though that's, you know, it gets frustrating after a while. And I mean spiritual blindness. You know, it gets frustrating after a while. And Lord, you can watch the news and you complain. And what's that bunch of Yahoos doing up in Washington? Don't they got the go- good sense God gave a turkey? And, and they don't. Amen. I'm telling you, if the squirrels ever found out how many nuts are in D.C., you wouldn't see a squirrel for the rest of your life. Amen. But it's not their fault. They can't see, they're blind, right? They, they, all they have is utter darkness and, and because your eye Your eye can function perfectly But go underground with no lights And you'll be in total darkness No moon, no stars, no candles No fires, no light bulbs You go underground I've been, I've been underground I toured a cave one time They shut the lights off And buddy that is dark You can't see Don't matter if you got 20-20 vision You can't see Because there's no light Right Light changes everything And so if there's people in your family, people on your job, people in your school, people in your life that are blind, it's because they don't have the light. But how many know what the Bible said? The the Bible said, first of all, that Jesus was the light of the world, but then he handed that off to you. And now you're the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Amen? Somebody lay your hand on your heart and say, this little light of mine. That's what we teach our kids. This little light of mine. Ye are the light of the world. That's who you are. That's your new nature. Your new nature is your old man, right, the man that was was before you got born again. That old guy, he was full of darkness. He was full of sin. But that's not who you are anymore. How many are glad you've been translated into another kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son? Amen. And you've been brought into his, the Bible called it, marvelous light. Amen. Wonderful. It's a wondrous light that you, you now have it. And it's with you. So somebody lay your hand on your heart and say, I have it. You know, I think one of the most amazing statements in the Bible is what Peter said. Because here Peter is, and, and he's going down uh, down the street, and he's going to the hour of prayer. And boy, you, you'd have thought, you know, once he got done praying, then, boy, he'd have really had the power then. But he, wa- he wasn't even there yet. He was on his way to pray. And he sees a little, little lame man by the by the gate, and, and, he, and he looks down on him, and the guy's just begging you know, he just needs a little bit of money for food, needs a little bit of money to help him on his way. And so he was, he was begging there. And, and, and Peter said, look at me. Isn't that amazing? Just look in my direction. He didn't try to. He didn't try to insert him into a program somewhere. He didn't try to uh, uh, open up a scripture and try to quote a bunch of stuff to him and get it all perfectly right. You know, some people feel like they can't be effective because they've not memorized enough scripture, and you ought to memorize a li- at least a little bit of scripture. Amen. And uh, but some people feel like you know, well, I don't understand enough, and I- I've not walked with the Lord long enough. But can I tell you, God can use you where you're at. God can use you as you are. Amen. God, that doesn't mean God ain't gonna work on you and make you make you a little bit better and a little bit more useful. Maybe I could say it that way. It doesn't mean that there's not gonna be a progress in your life, but it means you can't just sit and wait to, Well, one day I'm gonna obey God. One day God's gonna use me. No, God's gonna use me right now. Amen. Amen. One day. Oh, one day. One day a revival's gonna hit. Well, one day a revival is gonna hit, but I've got a revival right now. Amen. Somebody lifts your hand to heaven and say, "I am a revival." Hallelujah. And so here Peter is, and he's just a walking down the, the down the road. He sees this beggar, and that beggar looked up at him expecting to receive something, but he didn't know what he was about to get. Amen. And how many know when you come to the Lord, you, you ought to expect to receive something, but don't get it in your mind. You know what you're going to get. Because I'm telling you, have you ever had him upend your whole life? Have you ever had him turn the whole situation upside down? Buddy, I have. Uh, you know, it's an amazing thing. You can go to pray and Lord. I want to get closer to you. I want a deeper fellowship with you. And it's amazing how fast your life will start falling apart right If you pray that. Isn't that amazing? You know why? Because the Bible told us why. Paul said this, oh, that I might know him. That's what Paul wanted. How many want to know him? God, I want to get close to him. I want to get closer to him. He said, oh, that I might know him in the power. Somebody shout power. That's so Pentecostal, isn't it? That just makes me want to run the aisles and spit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And That that power, right? I want to know the power of that resurrection. How many know what the power of the resurrection can do? I at least know a little bit. I don't think I know the fullness of it, but I know a little bit of it. I know that the power of the resurrection will raise the dead. I know the power of the resurrection will cast the devil out. I know the power of the resurrection will heal the sick. I know the power of the resurrection will restore me when I fall. I know what I know. A few things that the power of the resurrection could do. We learned a little bit about the resurrection this summer. We had a a, a tent revival in Beckley, West Virginia. And boy, it, 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 it was almost heaven that week. I'll tell you that. Hallelujah! And uh, we 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 were there, and and a woman showed up at the tent on a Sunday night. And never met her before, never seen her before. She wasn't churched as far as we know. Uh, uh, but she showed up and and she came up into the altar right in the middle of the singing, just stood there staring at us. And we figured, well, somebody ought to go talk to her. So it's Katie. Katie was the preacher that night. Thank God I let her do it. Amen. And she went, she got down off the platform and started talking to the woman. The woman said this She said, uh, my son is has schizophrenia. And he's having, I don't know what she called it, maybe like a psychotic break or something like that. In, in other words, he was hallucinating. He was hearing things that weren't there. He was seeing stuff that weren't there. He was talking out of his head. She couldn't communicate with him. She couldn't get through to him. And, uh, and, and she just, so she seen the tent and just pulled in, showed up in the altar and said, my son is in the middle of this. Do y'all do anything about this? Katie said, yes, yeah, we do. We do something about that. And so she walked out to the car, and sure enough, he's he's just going wild in the car and un, totally uncontrollable. And uh, she she walked up to the window, and, and, and the window was rolled down, and she just kind of put her hand on his shoulder. And she said, honey, we're going to pray for you. And, and Well, I guess it was I was going to pray for you. She was all by herself. She laid right, her hand right on him and just prayed just a simple little prayer, and he came right back to his right mind. Just like that. All the hallucinations stopped. All of, the, all of that stuff stopped. So him and his mother ended up coming under the tent and it wasn't, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into the service, they're in the altar getting saved giving their hearts to the Lord uh, 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 and then later that week, uh, one of his brothers came in and got saved and then later that week another brother came in, just so happened, how many know there's a lot of just so happened with God, amen uh, a brother was visiting from Pennsylvania and they talked him into coming and he came and gave his heart to the Lord and so here they all are and for so for a week into it things are rolling and their, their family being blessed and their families being touched and then here we are we're, we're in the middle of service uh, 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 that night and some people are getting saved and giving their hearts to the Lord and they get up and I'm telling you they didn't get up out of the altar for uh, not even a minute and, and the young man I'm talking about his name was Jacob the, the young man in the he was sitting on the very back row starts convulsing in a seizure and falls out into the floor. And Katie's cousins who were not Pentecostal showed up. And her mom turned around and said, this is not normal. We don't always do that. And anyway, so he falls over. He's having a seizure. Well, then his heart stops. And and he stops breathing. And, And an EMT of 40, he was retired, but he was an EMT for 41 years, rushes back, can't find a pulse. You know, he's not breathing. So he starts doing chest compressions. Uh, the guy's brother starts doing mouth to mouth, and 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 they're trying to save his life. And so then the preachers all gathered around, and you know we were in the middle, we were right in the middle of an anointing when this happened. You know, if you're going to die, you might as well die in the middle of an anointing. I mean, it's almost like having a heart attack in a hospital, right? Hallelujah. And so here we are. And, and, and so I'm trying to keep that anointing there. And so I grabbed the microphone and started praying from the front. Katie grabbed the bottle of oil, went to the back, a bunch of preachers. We had, I don't know, four or five preachers there that night. They all gathered around. They began to pray and pray and pray. And it probably didn't take that long, but it felt like a long time. And, and I'm telling you, finally, the guy doing chest compressions got up. And he said, well, it's over. We're too late. He's dead. We're wasting our time. And he, and he, and he poked, his, poked the guy's brother on the shoulder and said, who was doing mouth to mouth, he said, son, you're wasting your time. It's over. There's nothing more that can be done. He quit doing mouth to mouth. The guy doing chest compressions went and sat back down in his seat. But how many know when man's done, that don't mean God's done? Hallelujah. And so they began to pray, and we began, well, we were still praying. So we just kept on praying and and, and praying and seeking God about it. And, and a, a friend of ours named Brother Joe, since nobody was doing Chest compressions anymore. Brother Joe just laid his hand right on his heart and just began to command life to come back into him. And Katie got right up in his face, and his eyes were, you know, open and fixed. And uh, and she started commanding life to come into him. And 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 as we began to pray, suddenly Katie said, "I seen his I seen his face twitch." And another guy that was over at his feet prayed said, "I seen his leg move." And then Brother Joe said, "I felt something bump like his heart turned to flip, and suddenly I felt a heartbeat come back into." him, and suddenly Jacob began to breathe again, and then he was sitting up on the ground, and then he was back in his chair, and then the ambulance showed up. (laughs) Well, we could have used you a few minutes ago. How many know, man may not be able to get to you on time, but Jesus is never late. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here... Here's his his mom, his mom's trying to get him up out of the seat and take him to the ambulance. He said, oh, mom, I feel fine. Can't I stay and have church? Hallelujah. The power of the resurrection, it's alive in you. I don't have some kind of special Holy Ghost. Katie don't have a special Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, Brother Joe, he don't have some kind of different kind of Holy Spirit than you've got. You've got the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Somebody lift your hand to heaven and shout, it's living on the inside. It, you, it, the father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Oh, how many got your father living on the inside of you today? Hallelujah. He's in you, and he's working in you, and he's working in your life, and he's through it all. You know, I find that amazing. I think that's an amazing scripture. The father is, is above all, so I don't have to worry about anything. Because he's over all this. He's bigger than my trouble. He's bigger than my mountain. He's bigger than my sickness. He's bigger than a boy laying dead on the ground. He's bigger than all this. And then he's through it all. So you know what? God's not afraid of a little bit of trouble. God's not afraid of a fight. God's not afraid of a battle or a storm or a sickness or a struggle. You know why? Because he just works through it all. He just works through it all. here, here, here Joseph is, and, and Joseph is hated of his brothers. God don't mind. God, it's not like God showed up and convicted them in their prayer closet and said, You really need to like your brother better. He just worked through it. Right? Throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery, put him in a prison. It don't matter. God's just working through it all. Hallelujah. Here Paul is and, and, and Paul is going into a place and, and gets arrested, and then and then the, the boat is is shipwrecked on an island and you think well this stinks you know where's God in this I mean no God was just working through it all God can use him in a city God can use him in a prison God can use him on a boat God can use him on an island it don't really matter where you're at God can use you wherever you're at God can use you to bring revival to whoever's in front of you it don't matter you ought to approach every situation thinking this way that if I'm here then I'm the one that has the answer Cause I'm the one God sent here, you know. Now, if Pastor Matt was here. I'd push him out front, and I just lay my hand on his back. You go, man. Hallelujah. I was I was in a church one time in Maryland, and and. Uh, Man, God God was having his way in the service and the Lord had shown up and there was this kind of, I don't know, kind of young, maybe 18, 19, 20-year-old guy and, and he shows up and comes to the altar to give his heart to the Lord and, you know, hey, listen, I'm not the next spiritual wonder, okay? I don't have all this kind of spiritual discernment like I wish I did and, uh, you know, he seemed normal to me and so, how many ever met somebody that seemed normal? How many ever been somebody that at least seemed normal? Amen. We're, we're, you know, listen. We're, we think we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We think we hear from God. Either we're right or we're crazy. Y'all know that, right? But at least we're crazy and don't know it, because that's almost like being right, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. I'm just teasing. But here, here, this young man comes and he's praying at the altar, and I got some people, and and I just felt so impressed to the Lord that this, this this one brother named uh, uh, brother, was it brother Kenny? What was his name? Brother Kenny. Brother Kenny. Uh, uh, showed up, nobody y'all know, it ain't that Kenny, and so Brother Kenny was there, and and and, and I pointed that guy, I, I was looking for him in the crowd, because I just felt so impressed, he needs to pray for this guy, and, and, and so I find him, and I wave him over, and he's praying for the guy, and you know, and I'm thinking, man, this guy's going to get saved. And Then I seen the Holy Ghost just like falling like rain. And I thought, man, he's, gonna, he's about to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is going to be great. Man, this is awesome. And, uh, and so anyway, so he's praying. And I mean, a wind came through. You remember that? A wind came through this place and knocked him backwards onto the floor. And he's laying there on the floor. And he starts slithering like a snake and sticking his tongue out. And I thought, oh, no, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's the other guy. And I, and I just I just bowed my head and I said, now Lord, I get it. I'm the evangelist. This is my service. So I'm supposed to go cast this thing out, but Jesus, I have no idea what to do. Can you help me? And right as, right as I opened my eyes from praying that, and I was about ready to just do something and just try. Brother Kenny happened to be standing right there because I waved him over. He picked that guy, man, I wish I was this strong. He picked that guy up by the shirt up in the air and he And he said, come out of him in Jesus' name. I laid my hand on Brother Kenny's back. I said, yeah, devil, do what Brother Kenny said to do. (laughs) Amen. But here Peter is. Peter gets a hold of this guy, and he says, look on me. He said, silver and gold have I none. Well, that's a disappointment. That's what I thought you were going to give me. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Such as I have. I got some keys. They were given to me. Whatever I bind on the earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on the earth is loosed in heaven. I have a spirit of healing. It was given to me. Hallelujah. I have a name that makes lame legs walk again. It was given to me. And such as I have, I give unto thee. Rise up and walk. Amen. So how many can lift your hand to heaven and say, such as I have? You've got it. You've got what's necessary. Not in your flesh, not in yourself, not in your own intellect or your own mind. But how many know in that spirit you've received? You have everything necessary for the struggle that you're in, the situation. I take it a step further. You've got everything necessary for the person sitting next to you. You've got everything ne- necessary for the guy in the next cubicle at work. You've got everything necessary for the little woman on a walker walking down the street. You've got everything necessary to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out the devil. Freely you have received. Has anybody received from the Lord amen we just come through Thanksgiving it's a great time to start counting up everything that I've received of the Lord and I have received freely I didn't pay for it I didn't earn it I didn't live good enough to have it when I got filled with the Holy Ghost I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was people just kept telling me you need the Holy Ghost I was like okay I need it Lord give it to me whatever it is I didn't even know what it was didn't matter I didn't have to know he don't need my brain he taught me what it was later right I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. I didn't have have any money. I didn't give him a big enough offering to get get anything from the Lord. I couldn't buy. What are you going to do? Buy the blood? Jeff Bezos couldn't buy the blood. Hallelujah. Listen, you've got the best. God gave you heaven's best. There is no better blood than the blood you've got. There is no better spirit than the spirit you've received. There are no better gifts than the gifts you've got. There is no better fruit than the fruit growing in your life. There's nothing better. You got heaven's best. Heaven bankrupted its greatest treasure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Buddy, the treasure of heaven, the greatest thing that there ever was, the greatest thing that the father even had, he took it and he put it right there in the womb of a woman. To be born, to live a sinless life, to be rejected, to be spit on, to be refused and, and rebuked and, and, and Lord, uh, uh, gossiped about and, and, and mocked and every, every bit of it. And all of this, right? So that he could suffer and so that he could die on a cross because that was the price to redeem your soul. Redeem your soul. And so that's what God wants to do. He wants to redeem your soul. That's what's valuable to him. More valuable than the blood, more valuable than the spirit. I know that don't sound right, but it's the mind of God. That's not my mind. That's the mind of God. That when he weighed your soul in the balance and he weighed the life of Jesus, he said their soul is more valuable. I'll pay for it. When he weighed the suffering of the cross in the balance against your soul, he said, your soul is worth it. I'll pay for it. And so that's not a small thing, and it's not a light thing. Behold, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God. And if God, who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely, somebody shout freely, given to us all things. God's not withholding anything from you. You know, that's the original fight. They got into the garden, and, and here, you know, Eve is, and she's talking to the serpent because, you know, it's what you do when a serpent starts talking. You just talk back. And so here she is talking to this snake, and the snake is like, you know, well, have, you, you ought to eat of this tree. I mean, it's like, it's great. You're going to love it. She said, well, if I eat of that, I'm going to die. And he said, oh, no, you'll not die. God knows. That the day you eat of this tree, you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. God's holding something back from you. God really didn't give you everything. He don't really want you to have everything. He don't want you to live your best life. Go do what you want. That's your best life. And how many know? He's still telling people that today. That's still the voice of the devil in the land. Just do what you want to do, live the way you want to live, go your own way. That's what's going to be best for you. God's just trying to keep you from something. And how many know God's not withholding any good thing, not from those that love him, not from those that seek his face, not from those that fear him. He's not withholding any good thing from us, right? And that doesn't mean the answer is always yes either, right? Because just like that little lame man, so he's sitting by the side of the road and, You know, how disappointed and how upset must he have been when these two guys come up to him and kind of interrupt his begging to give him something. And he's looking, ready to receive. You know, this is probably going to be a big check. This one's probably going to be a lot of gold, a lot of silver. This is going to set me fly. I won't even have to beg for a week. This is going to be good. And he looks and he says, silver and gold have I none. That's not what I'm going to give you. As how many know, sometimes you come to the Lord and it's the same. You're wanting silver, you're wanting gold. That's not what I'm going to give you. And whatever that silver or gold might be, it might be a, a, a job opportunity that you really want. It might be a house that you really want to buy. It might be a specific car that you want. It might be some some end to a struggle in your life right here, right now, today. Anybody been there where it's like, okay, I've rode this one out, Lord. Okay, we've done this long enough. Let's do something else. And how many have ever had that, that answer? That kind of silver and gold, that's not what I'm giving you. But how many know that when Peter did that it wasn't because he wanted to withhold something good it was because he had something better oh I could give you money I could give you money and and here you wouldn't have to beg for two three weeks I could give you a a year's wages and you'd be set for a year or I could just make your make your legs work again and when your legs work you won't have to beg for the rest of your life you'll be able to get out and work and run and and do all the things that you want to do now but can't and so sometimes God has a greater answer Hallelujah. Sometimes God has a greater path. And so that's why Paul said, you know, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. You know, there's something that's greater. And, I, and, and listen, I believe in everybody. I believe he's a healer. I believe he's a deliverer. I believe he's a waymaker. I believe he's a miracle worker. But I have found something even greater than all of that. I found him to be a friend in my valley. And I found him to be a voice that speaks in the darkness. That Not, the, not this place. You can't, always, you can't always hear everything. You can't always fellowship with God in a deep way when everything's going right in your life and when you really don't feel any need for God. But how many have been down to the bottom, and when you hit the bottom, you really got to know Jesus? You really got to know the Lord in a way that you never could have before. I mean, there's a fellowship, and there's a friendship with him. There's a relationship that you can, you can I hate to use this word, but it is in the Bible. You can buy with your suffering. And, and, and I know that sounds a little bit weird, but this is what he said in the book of Revelation. He said, buy of me gold. Tried in the furnace. Now, do you think God is up there trying to sell us gold medallions? Well, that's what the, the government and everybody else is trying to sell us on, get, us, get, get all of our money. Is that what God wants? He wants us to give us an offering and then a brick of gold's going to show up? Or is he talking about something greater, something of greater value? It's a relationship. How I many know a relationship costs something? And it doesn't matter who it's with. It could be with God, or it can be with your wife, or it can be with your children, or it could be with your friends. But whatever relationships you've got in your life, they're going to cost you something. There's a price associated with it. You know, my wife, she's very, very merciful. Thank God. She's very forgiving. And she overlooks a lot of my shortcomings, probably all of them. But now, if I had a couple of women in different states, how many think that would go pretty poorly for me? You know, she sat me down before we got married and she said, Now, listen here. I've got to talk to you about something. I said, Okay. She said, I don't believe in divorce. I said, Well, I don't either. Let's just stay married. She said, No, you don't understand. You try to leave me, I'll shoot you. (laughs) So, there's two things I don't do I don't cheat on my wife. And when the holidays come around, I don't wear those little antlers because she grew up hunting in the mountains. And it's just too much temptation. Amen. But you understand that here, there's a cost. I have to forsake my other opportunities. I have to sanctify myself for her. I have to live in a way. There's, there's other things I couldn't do. I couldn't, I couldn't become an alcoholic and keep that relationship not right. I couldn't start doing drugs and keep that relationship right. There's boundaries That I have to live in to have that relationship. And that's true for all of your relationships. And you know that because there's been people in your life you walked away from because they kept crossing the boundaries too much. And there's been people that walked away from you because you crossed the boundaries too much. How many know God's the same way? God has has a place. He'll never turn you away. You can always come home. You can always come back to him. You can always talk to him. You can always receive of him. But that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that you can just kind of do anything you want, right? It'd be like saying, my wife will take me back if I mess up so I can just live messing up and not care. I mean, no, that's not the same thing. Amen. And so his mercy is new every morning. You know what that means? That means no matter how far you've run... It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter if, if you've run your wife off, run your husband off, run your children off. It doesn't matter if, if you've uh, uh, messed up every relationship. Nobody believes in you. Everybody's rejected you. It doesn't matter how bad you've been or how bad you've done in your life. His mercy was brand new this morning as if you've never needed it before. I'm telling you, his mercy is enough. The Bible said that he loves you with a love that covereth the multitude of your sins. You know, God's, God's not just sitting around trying to forgive people that aren't too bad, right? His love is big enough to cover no matter how many sins you've got, no matter how bad you, you've messed things up in your life. Doesn't even matter, doesn't matter if nobody ever loved you. You know, I've met people, their own mother didn't love them. Your own father didn't love them. Maybe you've suffered that kind of rejection. But can I tell you, there's a father in heaven that loves you this morning. He loves you not just with a love that covers your sins, but a love. uh, The Bible said it's an everlasting love. It's a love that never runs out. It's a love that never fails. It's a love that you can't outrun, that you can't get away from. You can't shake your fist in the face of God enough to get rid of His love. But I'm telling you, His love will chase you down. You know what what David said, he said in one of the Psalms, he said, whither could I go? Where could I even get out of your presence from? What if I went up into the wings of the morning and sailed into the heavens? He said, no, you'd be there. And he said, and even if I made my bed in the belly of hell. He said, no, you'd be down there. If I went into the uttermost parts of the sea, you'd be there too. You know what? But Jonah found out. Jonah found out that when he said no to God, God just followed him. And he went down to Tarshish. And God was in Tarshish. So he said, I'll get on a boat and get away from God. And he got on a boat and God was on the boat. And then he said, well, I'll get cast into the sea and drown. But God was in the water. And then a swell swallowed him up. And when he was sitting down in the belly of a whale, you know what he found? He found God was still in the belly of a whale. And no matter how much he ran and no matter how much he tried to get away, uh, no matter how many times he said no, no matter how rebellious he got, still yet there was God ready to forgive, ready to love all over again, ready to start fresh. Nobody's like that. You don't know anybody like that. I'm telling you, he, uh, it's, when God comes into your life or when God comes back into your life, it's like you never left. It's like nothing ever happened. It's a totally clean slate. Once it's under the blood, he never brings it up again. It's never spoken of again. The devil will talk about it. People will talk about it. People won't forget, but God will. Hallelujah. How many could lift your hand to heaven and thank God for his overwhelming love, his love that is able to, to, to come like a wave and wash your life clean and wash your soul clean and bring you afresh and anew into that relationship. You know, David, the king, we all know the low point in his life. It was public. You know, some sins are private and some sins are public. And, and that's unfortunate. But here he was, and, and he saw a woman, and he wanted her, and so he, he took her. And it, it wasn't just anybody. It was Uriah the Hittite's wife. And the thing about Uriah is when David was a nobody, when David wasn't a king, when David was on the run from Saul... And he was living in a cave. He met 40 men. And one of them was Uriah. And they'd been through battles together, fought together, ate together, laughed together, cried together. They'd saved each other's lives over and over and over again. They were the best of friends. You know, a friend you find at the bottom is a real friend. How many know that's the truth? And here he is, and it's his wife. David don't care. Took her anyway. Committed adultery with her. And then thought, well, that's that. Except that wasn't that. Because that got her pregnant. And so here she is. She's with child. And it was not of the Holy Ghost. And uh, he don't know what to do. So then he tries to trick Uriah into thinking he's the father and that don't work. Then he tries to get him drunk. That don't work. So then he has him killed. So here he's took his, took his best friend's wife, killed his best friend, to cover it up. And that's where that's the person that David was. And he's sitting up in his throne like nothing happened, and the prophet shows up, and he said, "You know there was a man around here that he had all these sheep and." His neighbor had one little sheep that was like his pet, you know, and lived in the house, and his kids would play with it. And, and uh, a traveler came to the rich man's house, and he went and stole that guy's sheep, took it and killed it and fed it to his guests. And David, being an old shepherd, you know, he just rose up. He's screaming, ah, that guy's going to die. Find him, bring him to me. I'm going to kill him. And that old prophet just looked at him and said, well, David, you're the man. That's what you did to Uriah's wife. He said, but the Lord has already put away your sin. You shall not die. So somebody that could be so awful, do something so despicable, so evil to people that had been good to him. And the Lord's law was that an adulterer like that had to die. But the Lord's heart was to show mercy and to show compassion, and to show forgiveness. And so then, what he did was he wrote, and he said, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. When I wasn't looking for mercy, it was right there chasing me down. When I wasn't looking for his goodness, it was right behind me, pursuing me. When I was walking all the wrong roads, choosing all the wrong paths, hurting everybody that I could to get what I wanted. And then when I turned around, his mercy was not far from me. His mercy wasn't a long journey, but his mercy was right here by my side. And how many could lift your hand to heaven and thank God that you have mercy following you, that you have goodness following you, chasing you down, pursuing you. You know, if, if some of the musicians wouldn't mind coming up and beginning to play a little bit, if that's all right, hallelujah. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place?